Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. The White House is responding to a growing controversy over possibly allowing Russian operatives to question a former U.S. ambassador and other Americans. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says it was a proposal that was made in sincerity by Russian President Vladimir Putin, and President Trump disagrees with it. Former U.S. Ambassador to Russia Michael McFaul responded to the buzz about him last night on MSNBC. This is yet another tactic to intimidate me, like he has done with other people, uh, and I wish, I just hope, my own president my commander-in-chief would understand it for what it is and push back both in public and in private. McFaul served as ambassador during the Obama administration. President Trump is criticizing the Federal Reserve for raising interest rates. I'm not thrilled uh, because, you know, we go up and every time you go up, they want to raise rates again. And I don't really, uh, I am not happy about it. In an interview set to air on CNBC tomorrow, Trump said, however, he is letting Fed officials do what they feel is best. Search warrants are pending for a home possibly connected with a North Texas bank robbery and shooting. Fort Worth police are not sure if someone is actually inside the house, as they're being extremely cautious. Three women were injured but should survive. Tensions are already high ahead of a protest outside the L.A. office of Congresswoman Maxine Waters. This woman says she's against the group planning to protest at this hour. I just don't like the flag, so I I made a comment of the red, white, and blue flag. I represent the red, black, and green. The group behind the protest is called the Oath Keepers, and many people on social media call them racist. Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein's legal counsel claims Weinstein and Ashley Judd had an agreement to let him touch her. The L.A. Times reports under the deal Weinstein could touch Judd if she won an Academy Award in one of his films. Carmine Gotti Agnello, the 32-year-old grandson of mob boss John Gotti, is under arrest, accused of running an illegal vehicle scrapyard in Queens. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm Rod Williams for tonight, mostly clear and overnight low of 59. Sunny and hot on Tuesday with a high of 92. Tuesday night will be clear with an overnight low of 61. West winds at 15. I'm Rod Williams, broadcasting live from the Tri-City Center at the 10 and 210 freeways. We are the trifecta of talk in Southern California. KCAA 102.3 FM Riverside, 106.5 FM Redlands, and The Legacy, 1050 AM Loma Linda and San Bernardino. If you or a loved one was seriously injured in an accident with a semi-truck or an 18-wheeler truck, you need to act fast. I'm attorney Daniel Rudbari. I know how to fight truck companies. Call me, 800-325-1454 for your free consultation. 800-325-1454. 
Truck accident cases are different than an auto versus auto accident. There are so many more issues involved when dealing with a truck accident case. There are federal regulations and state regulations, several different companies that may be involved. I can immediately gather the evidence, get you the medical care you need with no deductible and no copay to you, and get you the compensation and the money you deserve for your injuries. And if there's no recovery, there's no fees charged to you. I'm attorney Daniel Rudbari. I know how to fight truck companies. Call me 800-325-1454 for your free consultation. 800-325-1454. When Michelle lost her job, her home, and her children because of her addiction, she was desperate to make a change. She felt hopeless. Then she discovered Cedar House Life Change Center in Bloomington. Their staff showed Michelle how to live drug-free and be the mother she always knew she could be. You know what it feels like to be trapped in your addiction? Too many people in our community feel that way every day. That's why Cedar House is here, to help with a range of residential and outpatient care. To support the mission of recovery, visit cedarhouse.org, where they say, come grow with us. Drivers, when it's time to visit the DMV, avoid the long lines and save time by calling toll-free 833-DMV-LINE. That's 833-DMV-5463. If you're suffering from aches and pains, it's time to try Arbovitae Health and Wellness Dietary Supplement. Arbovitae contains pycnogenol, the most powerful, natural, anti-inflammatory and antioxidant available, which is nature's way to support the immune system. Let Arbovitae help your body restore itself today. To order Arbovitae online, go to arborvitaeus.com. To order by phone, call 800-570-0433. That number again, 800-570-0433. Arbovitae is proud to sponsor Fish Talk Radio. Check out the show on Facebook or visit the Fish Talk website at fishtalkradio.com. The first caller will receive a 30-day supply of Arbovitae with no obligation, so call now, 800-570-0433. Did you know that every dollar you put into a piece of real estate makes you money five ways? Cash flow, money in your pocket each month. Equity capture, the thousands of dollars you create when you have the right team and buy the right property using the right map. Appreciation. Real estate doubles in value about every 10 years. Equity buildup. Renters pay down your mortgage each month. And finally, the tax advantage. We pay almost no taxes on our cash flow and capital gains. These are the five ways we make money in real estate, which is why real estate accounts for more millionaires in the world today than any other investment vehicle. You should have some real estate in your portfolio. To learn how, attend one of our free workshops. Call 1-866-971-8970 or go to GetMyMapNow.com and register for the next available workshop. That's 866-971-8970 or GetMyMapNow.com. Hey, Ryan, do you have any beer in the fridge? Nah, I thought you got some. Oh, the game starts in five minutes. And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday. I wish there was a place that delivered beer. Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. 
That's Captain, C-R-A-F-T, apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers. That's right, the Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C-R-A-F-T-D-B-E-E-R-Store.com or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for beersness. And I'm here to deliver. Did you know that digestion is vitally important to overall health One, two, three, and well-being? Optimize your digestive health with the broad spectrum of vegetarian enzymes in Quantum Nutrition Labs Quantum Digest and Quantum Zymes. Both are buy two, get the third one free. And you'll want to add our organic inner leaf aloe liquid, aloe 100, at special bulk pricing. Call 888-588-7578. That's 888-588-7578. Or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. This is Dick from Carpet Masters. Carpet Masters has been serving the Inland Empire for over 55 years. Carpet Masters uses extraction cleaning for your carpet because there's no better cleaning to remove the soil from your carpet. All of our furniture cleaning is done by hand in your home or in our plant. Carpet Masters also offers dry cleaning for fine furniture. Call Carpet Masters at 793-7215. That's 793-7215 for Carpet Masters. This is KCAA. NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful, sunny California. Thanks for tuning into the Water Zone this afternoon. I'm Rob Starr, along with Mr. Chris Davies, and uh, today is our act show, so we're going to have some great guests. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm splendid. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate you asking. It's a nice, hot July afternoon. Oh, yes, it is. Extremely... Uh, uh, it's hot, but it's also muggy. 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 And I worry about that. Cause, yeah. Uh, last night, you know, I was in San Diego yesterday, and there were some uh, flash rain rain uh, stuff going on and uh, thunderstorms. Oh, there's thunderheads over the mountains right now. Look at yep. the, look to the north. And Ominous. going home. I don't know if you listen to the radio on the way up here, but I'm going to have traffic going home because of that fire. Yeah. That right. they got in 91. That's right. Well, anyway, we're going to we're going to bring we we're going to bring on uh, a couple a couple things. Uh, we're going to bring on Miss Ingi Bisconer, who's going to host the ag part of the show and then uh, she'll introduce her guest. So, Ingi, welcome. Ingi? Hello? I, I don't hear her. <laughs> Ingi? Now I think we lost her. 
I do not hear her. Uh, I, I, hopefully she'll call back. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what we have is uh, like, uh, 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 Dr. Hunston. Are you, are you there? Uh, hello? Yeah, your mic's on now. Oh, okay. Sorry, we've got uh, we've got some technical problems here at the studio. They had a uh, a problem with uh, some equipment, and we're trying to resolve this as we go live, and we are live, so we have to uh, stumble through this. Um, uh, hopefully, Ingie's going to call back, but uh, let me uh, give you a. Oh, I mean, I think she's there. So hold on, Ingie. Hello, Ingie. Hello. I know she's on the line. We see the line, but I do not hear her. Ingie? Nope. Well, while they resolve this, we'll, we'll, we'll start getting this through. So Dr. Glender Hummiston was appointed Vice President of the UC Agriculture and Natural Resources uh, on August uh, 3rd, 2015. And uh, she was born in California and raised on a cattle ranch, more than 25 years of experience. Uh, she was a member of the 4-H. Uh, she came to uh, UC ANR with more than 25 years' experience working on public policy development and program implementation supporting sustainability. Uh, she served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Tunisia, uh, Tunisia as executive director of a nonprofit organization advocating farmland preservation and value-added agricultural development, and several years as a consultant on environmental and agricultural issues throughout the West. Most impressively, well, besides from everything else she's done, she served with uh, President Clinton as Deputy Undersecretary for Natural Resources and Environment of USDA from 1998 to 2001. She managed the Sustainable Development Institute at the 2002 World Summit for Mexico City in 2009, I'm sorry, for Sustainable in South Africa, and the 2006 World Water Forum in Mexico City, Mexico City. In 2009, Humiston was appointed by President Obama to serve as the California State Director at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Rural Development. Humiston produced a widely acclaimed guidebook on access to capital and has led efforts to bring rural issues to the forefront of the state's economic summit and policymakers throughout California. So to our audience and, and, and to Ms. Humiston, we, uh, we appreciate uh, uh, your patience in, in us getting back to speed here with our equipment that's happening Hello. here at the studio. Hi, Inge. Hello? Anyway, Ms. Humiston earned her PhD from UC Berkeley in environmental science, policy, and management in 2009 with research focused on U.S. Farm Bill policy. She has a master's degree in international agricultural development from UC Davis and a bachelor's degree in animal science from Colorado State University. Uh, so, Glenda, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Okay, let me see if I can move this a little bit over to, to hear you better. I'm trying to, uh, as I said, we got some uh, phone problems. Uh, can we hear you one more time? Glenda? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. I don't know why we're not, uh, we're not hearing you so well. Uh, it's embarrassing. We never had this problem before. Okay. Uh, so, Glenda, when you visited with Inge on World Water Day last March, uh, you and her talked about a lot of things, but got cut short talking about something very important, and that was the Working uh, Landscape Action Team, which you chair for the California State Economic Summit. This idea is very important because how well we manage our land directly affects how we manage our water. It's such an important idea that it is a theme for next year's California Irrigation Institute Conference, which you have generously agreed to keynote, so we appreciate that. Uh, can you tell us a little about, uh, about that conversation you had with Inge and so forth last March? 
Summit, which has happened each year since uh, its first one in 2012. Uh, we have several action teams, one of which is about working landscapes. Uh, that particular action team has a couple very active work groups, one of which is looking at ecosystem services. Uh, it has developed... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's good to hear your voice. How are you? Hello? Uh, yes, uh, Glenda Dengi here, uh, your co-host uh, tonight. I, I um, can hear somebody talking very faintly at a big distance, but I can't actually hear the words. Okay. All right. Rob, carry on. Oh, there uh, you we'll are. find a different way. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a different way as possible, so go ahead. Go, go ahead, Yeah, Andy. yeah. Yes, uh, Glenda, good to hear your voice. I heard you talk about the Elevate Rural California, um, your new initiative. Uh, sounds really good. Um, tell us more about it, and especially the, um, uh, the market systems that you're, that you're looking at for ecosystems, building markets for ecosystems. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, that's been a work group that's been co-chaired.
chaired by um, one of my uh, UC Cooperative Extension advisors, Stephanie Larson, who is the county director up in Sonoma County. And, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Um, uh, Adam Livingston, who works with Sequoia Riverlands Trust down in Tulare County. Uh, working closely with them has been Dan O'Connell, who has done a great deal of research and produced a report that is available online. Uh, and actually, everything I'm referring to is available at our uh, caeconomy.org website, including the uh, papers, the one-pagers that we produced at the last two summits on recommendations. Uh, this is all tied to one of the summit's big challenges, which is to help develop one million more acre-feet of water per year. But actually, it goes far beyond that. Um, the recommendations in the, the recent uh, report I've referred to uh, go into things such as expanding existing markets for farmland and rangeland conservation. In fact, we've even explored uh, updating and uh, changing how we use Williamson Act in the state as perhaps a framework for that. Uh, how we might use the new enhanced infrastructure financing districts or similar mechanisms to create local and regional markets for natural water infrastructure, um, expanding the market for habitat conservation, as well as a market for carbon sequestration, and then also uh, expanding and integrating markets for agricultural practices that provide multiple ecosystem services. And, you know, I might take a second here and just uh, give a definition of ecosystem services. It, it's a concept a lot of people aren't always familiar with. Uh, th there's actually about 17 ecosystem services that working landscapes provide to the, to, to, to the public in general and, and citizens individually. And those range from things like um, groundwater recharge, uh, you know, open land facilitates groundwater to recharge to keep our aquifers replenished. Uh, that green growing stuff produces oxygen. Um, open farmland managed properly can provide flood protection. In addition to producing food and fiber, it also can provide wildlife habitat, wetlands, etc. Um, and then some of the other uh, ecosystem services are things like open space. In fact, that's one people probably are most familiar with uh, because we've had some decades here in California of do using conservation easements to help keep large swaths of lands intact for farming as well as open space purposes. And there's others, but those are kind of the key ones most folks would recognize. Yeah, Glenda, it's Inge here, and I would love to hear more about the um, groundwater recharge, partly because I'm just on the heels of attending the BARD conference at your uh, UCANR facility in Davis, and it was um, a fabulous conference between um, researchers and leaders in California and Israel. And one of the things that was top of topic was this new idea of flood mar, which is um, managed aquifer <laughs> managed aquifer recharge using flood irrigation during you know the the times in the winter when the when the rivers are running high and there's plenty of snow melt. Um, tell us a little bit about the efforts that you see and and your working lands program. Uh, are doing to enhance that capability? 
Yeah, that is a project that uh, has been underway for several years now, and there's some there's several really key players there. Um, our Working Lands uh, group that's been doing it under the leadership of Judy Corbett, who has just provided amazing leadership on this, uh, has really focused on pulling together the different parties, land use, water agencies, and, and the second year, flood management agencies, to really look at what kind of policies we would need to facilitate enacting that more. Um, prior to that, though, um, our UC Cooperative Extension folks, along with other researchers, have been working very closely with farmers throughout the state to really um, test what that might mean. As you might imagine, if you're a farmer and you've got some, some vines or some trees out there, the thought of flooding them for weeks at a time can be pretty frightening. And yet we know that when a lot of them are in their, their dormant stage, it actually doesn't hurt them to be flooded. So we've been very carefully working with different varieties with farmers. And I got to really call out Don Cameron. He's, he's been a real leader in this, one of the first large farmers to step up. And also another NGO that we work closely with, uh, Sustainable Conservation. Uh, it's a statewide organization uh, under the leadership of Ashley Boren. All these people have really been coming at this from different angles, and I think that is really what's getting us to some success quickly, is all the different partners working together, and each of them bringing their strength to the table. The conference you were just at, where we're now looking at how Israel is, has been and is doing certain things, plus the lessons we've learned from California, um, I, as you said, I think it's just going to help move us further forward even faster. But we've still got yeah. some work to do. You know, for one thing, uh, we've been doing some work on mapping which exact landscapes are the most viable to recharge quickly and effectively. But also, you know, just what kind of rules and regulations and policies will allow us to do it. Because, you know, since it's a somewhat new thing, uh, you know, some of the existing frameworks don't always work. And then also educating our farmers on the advantage of it. But I want to also say it's not just farmers. There's a lot of opportunities for groundwater recharge in urban areas as well. Yeah, and I was fascinated to see the maps. Uh, we saw some of those maps uh, just yesterday. Just put together showing where it's best to do recharge. And as you, you know, even the layman might imagine, a coarse, sandy soil would be uh, a better soil or a better landscape to apply the water onto in order to get the water into uh, the groundwater aquifer where it can be um, used at a later date, as opposed to a heavier, siltier, more clayish soil which um, actually could cause damage to the crop on top of it. So uh, it's really Absolutely. cool that that effort has been ongoing to help us uh, intelligently um, replenish our groundwater in winter, even on existing farmland. Well, and it's two things, really, because it's a combination of the soil that allows the recharge, but also you've got to have some groundwater basins in there able to receive and hold that water, and preferably hold it so that we can then tap into it and use it during drought years when it's needed. Yes, yes. You know, I was also going to uh, say in your, during your introduction um, how appreciative we are at the California Irrigation Institute that you've uh, generously agreed to keynote uh, our conference coming up in January of 2019. And 
uh, regular listeners to the Water Zone will will know that um, we often have guests um, associated with the conference on this show, as well as Don Cameron, uh, a fellow that you just mentioned. And uh, and actually, um, due to your work and my exposure to your work, that is the conference theme this year, working landscapes. How can we manage our water better by managing our land? So thank you for agreeing to keep that. We're very excited about having you come. Yeah, I'm real excited, too, and I, I think this uh, team we've got working on the groundwater recharge and water management in general, but also that team on ecosystem services is really crucial because one of the things they're looking at is how we might be able to monetize some of these ecosystem services so that we've got access to the funding we need to facilitate the actual work. You know, in some cases here, you need some infrastructure. You might need to change up, you know, how water conveyance is being handled. Um, you, you might need to actually go in and do some restoration work on certain habitats to improve both the habitat for waterfowl at the same time you're improving the groundwater recharge. And all of that costs money. Yes. Is that, is that kind of what you mean by uh, creating markets? Um, is that kind of a... Um uh, a way to uh, to to obtain funding to do the things that that we need with the working yeah. landscapes. You know, a, a perfect example is, is really when you look at our Sierra, um, the whole range, uh, the Sierra Nevadas. Um, those. Those mountains right now, that mountain range is is got a lot of forest, and right now a lot of that forest is an extremely unhealthy state. Um, you know, it's part of the reasons we've had a tree mortality task force this past couple of years. Over, I, I think the current number is over 160 million dead trees, and it's not just those dead trees. It's it's undergrowth that uh, is too thick. It's invasive species. You know, foreign plants that have come in and crowded out our native plant species. But long story short, those unhealthy forests wreak havoc in several ways. Obviously, the fires we've been having, but the other thing is they really harm our water management system. They've changed up how snow melts, how snow stays, how water comes into the system. In fact, some of the research our uh, UC folks at, at Davis and Merced and Berkeley have recently done has estimated that if we could get those upper watershed forests to be in a healthier state, a, a more natural state, they could be producing 9 to 16% more water. And when you think about the fact that the Sierra and Cascade produce 60% of the water that um, our, our ag and urban areas use, um, that, that's a lot of water. Potentially. Yeah. yeah, and that's not true. So the idea there, there's a lot of different ways to do something. I'm sorry. There's a lot of different ways to do something about that. Um, one way is to just simply go to the people who are receiving that water, and, and both urban and agriculture, and just have them pay a tiny bit more. You know, you might be talking for the average urban uh, resident, uh, an extra dollar a month on their water bill could provide the kind of funding to really do massive amounts of work in the upper watershed. Now, what exactly would you do up in that watershed? Um, would you clear? You would clear out invasive species 
and you okay. would clear out areas where there's there's too much under uh, undercover. So so really, if you if you consider the sea- Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, the forest up there. In, in more, a hundred plus years ago, when they were in a more natural state, um, before mankind stopped allowing fires to burn, the trees were further apart, they were larger, and there was a lot more open ground underneath them. And that, having that open ground and the trees being larger, taller, uh, more open, really changes how snow stays on the ground and, and how it actually starts melting in the spring. And it really can affect how much we can store and, and how much um, it recharges the groundwater. But since we have kind of mismanaged our forests by not allowing fires and allowing all that underbrush to, to accumulate, is it practical, is it possible even to have... Absolutely. Oh, no, we've got some very successful um, forest restoration efforts up and down the state. I mean, we, we do quite a bit of it, but the last time I spoke to the um, U.S. Forest Service, because they've got an awful lot of land in the, in the Sierra and the Cascade Ranges, um, I, if, I, if I recall, what they told me is that for us to simply um, stay even or perhaps improve a little bit, we need to be doing treatment, natural restoration treatments on about a half a million acres a year. And we currently, with federal and state funding, only have the dollars available to do about one-tenth of that. So we're losing ground every year. And we've really got to turn that around if we're going to start seeing some of the positive benefits. Okay, so just a little bit more on some people's water bill, and uh, we could get some of that work done, huh? Yeah, but that's only one example. I don't. I don't want to say that's the only one. You know, there's, there's, um, in much the same way that we have doing that we're doing cap and trade right now. In fact, you could you can consider that a bit of an ecosystem service too. The way we're managing that, we're trying to find ways to take carbon out of the air by manipulating markets. So those that are able to uh, either sequester carbon or reduce carbon quickly uh, actually get paid for that by those who can't do it as quickly. And although we eventually want everybody um, doing the right thing as far as reducing carbon uh, emissions, um, for some industries and some locations, they just can't do it overnight. And this allows us to start getting some forward momentum, but giving everybody a chance to move forward in a way that's both economically as well as technologically viable. Yeah. Is it, is it possible that we'll be actually paying farmers someday to, to sequester carbon into their lands, that they'll, they'll actually um, have a market for doing that for society? Yeah, there's already a great deal of exploration on that, and there there are some places that are exploring that already. 
um, and doing it different ways. I mean, some of it is things like um, no-till farming, where you don't actually plow up the ground, you actually plant the next year's crop into a cover crop that's already there. Other things are um, planting certain crops that uh, grow really rapidly. Um, you know, eucalyptus is a really awful example because it's a tree we don't necessarily love here in California, but it really grows fast and produces a lot of biomass. Um, certain types of switchgrass. Uh, another one people are looking at actually is hemp. Uh, hemp grows rapidly and it sucks a lot of carbon up as it does. And you can then turn around and use that in a variety of products. Um, rope and cloth and, and all kinds of things um, that, that, you know, provide some environmental benefits. So do you have uh, support from the governor's office on this working landscapes concept of of really helping us monetize what our natural there's no way we could even build machines to do it uh so do you have the funding and the support from our from from the government to do this well yeah you know actually i, I think you could argue the government's been on board with this for decades if you stop and consider something like the williamson act um that's been policy in california for I should probably know this, but I'm going to take a wild guess, at least four or five decades, yes. where um, the, the government subsidizes uh, local government to not charge as much property tax on working landscapes. So in other words, instead of taxing that property as if it was just sitting there to be developed into a housing development, which is what was occurring, um, now we've put protections on that, and because there's less property tax from that, and that of course affects local government, school districts, etc., we, we pay subvention funds to uh, you know make that less painful for local government. Um, programs like... Um, a great example up in Sonoma County, they tax themselves for their Sonoma County Ag Preservation and Open Space District to purchase conservation easements on working farms to keep them both working as a farm, but also to provide open space for the communities and start harvesting those ecosystem services. And there's other examples of ways people have done that using different policy frameworks, uh, not only in California, but in other parts of the U.S. as well. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, what other examples can you provide? I love the ones you've already given, groundwater, carbon, uh, forest management, um, other well, you know, let me go back to the Elevate uh, Rural California for a moment, because what we're trying to do there is really link together all the working landscapes work around ecosystem services and better water management, et cetera, but really tie it to both regional and statewide economic development efforts. Because um, then it's going to help more than just the environment or the actual farmers. It's going to be growing the economy for all of California citizens, both urban and rural. Uh, one yeah. item I'm particularly excited about right now is work we're doing closely. Um, our, my division at UC, the UC Ag and Natural Resources, we're partnering up with RCRC, the um, rural counties uh, regional 
representative. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting what that acronym actually stands for. But it's for rural counties around the state, 38 of them, to develop uh, biomass in a, in a massive way to actually get our hands on that biomass out of our forest as well as agriculture and even urban and get it into very high value uh, new technology ways of building materials and then complete that supply chain to large anchor institutions such as the state government, the University of California and others to start doing a uh, wood first building policy. This is something that Europe and Canada has been doing for, for over a decade or more. Uh, just recently, Washington State passed legislation uh, uh, mandating this, and Oregon is actually doing it now. I'm talking about uh, very high-value uses of biomass, like cellulosic nanofibers and uh, CLT, cross-laminated timber, and other products that actually allow us to go in and build large buildings. Uh, we just broke ground uh, earlier this year in Portland, Oregon, on a, a skyscraper that's going to be 14 stories tall, built of wood. Um, wow. And the nice thing is, these buildings, are, they're beautiful because they're wood, but they're also more energy efficient, they're better in an earthquake, they, they meet just as good a fire standards, fire safety, and they sequester a lot of carbon. In fact, uh, a building like that one up there, the 14-story one, it'll be the equivalent of taking thousands of cars off the road every year. Wow, that's a, that's incredible. And I, I see, I, I did a little research on the uh, document that you sent me earlier that it may actually help uh, create jobs through the community college workforce uh, development yep. efforts. We're working closely with the community colleges on this for workforce development. The governor's office and the legislature uh, has, in fact, in the governor's recent budget, he put funding in for a, uh, a Wood Innovation Institute that uh, myself, uh, my counterpart at the CSU system, and the State Board of Forestry are going to be co-hosting and co-leading. In fact, we've already had meetings on that. There was some funding in the recent budget. There was legislation to support that, SB 859. And we've had meetings where we're actually bringing together the, the infrastructure people, the finance people, the um, local government and others, because we, we're really going to try to build the entire supply chain here in California, from the forest through manufacturing of these products in California, which will provide a lot of jobs, and then actually getting them into something like University of California. In fact, I, I got to give a shout out to my boss, uh, President Janet Napolitano. One of her big initiatives at UC is for the entire UC system to be carbon neutral by 2025. Um, as we move forward at UC, as well as others like the CSU system and other government entities, we have a lot of building to do going forward because we're just growing. We've got more students. As we build those dormitories and laboratories and classrooms, if we do it using wood, it's going to make a huge difference in this state for both the environment and the economy. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good goal because I don't think people realize how big the University of California is in the state's economy and, you know, the footprint, really, of uh, all the all the buildings and facilities and the people. So, 
if you can get this if you can get the UC to get on the right page on these efforts it's almost as big as probably the military or maybe even Disneyland <laughs> oh it's way bigger than Disneyland I promise you <laughs> and it might be as big as the military in this so, state maybe bigger who knows but not, yes. again, not just UC. I mean, we're, we're a little ahead of the game thanks to uh, President Napolitano's leadership, but the CSU system, um, any of our public uh, entities, as well as private, we've actually got some private sector firms already uh, in California starting to do Wood First. And, you know, I'm running out of time, so let me just quickly mention the other two big items in Elevate Rural California. Yeah, broadband. And one of those is broadband, broadband connectivity, which is crucial. And that actually gets back to water. Um, one of the ways a lot of our farmers are better managing their water is they have soil sensors in the ground all over the place. In some cases, one with every single tree that is providing a signal that feeds into a computer that then makes sure that tree or that vine or that crop doesn't get one drop more of water than it actually needs to grow. But the problem is if you've got a lot of farmers and a lot of that kind of uh, electronic uh, signal running around in fields in rural areas and you don't have adequate bandwidth, you really stifle the ability to make use of that kind of technology. And that's a problem we have all over California in rural California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, broadband helps with water management because we're all connected now and we do have high tech on the farms. Absolutely. And then, of course, our third big item is water infrastructure. Uh, and we're looking there at not just the big water infrastructure that, that people see in the newspaper all the time. You know, the, the debates over the tunnels or the, the sites of dam or that kind of thing. But there's a lot of small-scale local water infrastructure and changes to how watersheds themselves are managed that can make a huge difference. Um, so we're, we're doing a lot of work on that. And, and trying to identify how to help people move forward with that. You, you know, if I can put a real quick plug in here, um, yeah. I, I would really urge your listeners to attend the State Economic Summit. Uh, it's going to be held up in Sonoma County in Santa Rosa this year, um, and it's going to be Thursday and Friday, November 15th and 16th. Uh, it's a great event. One of the reasons I've been very active with it and love it is that the people that come there are focused on action. Um, it's not just a lot of policy wonks talking and, you know, different interest groups arguing. Everybody's there because they've, they want to get on board with finding some viable, sustainable, triple bottom line solutions. And it, it's great to work with people like that. Wow. Well, thank you. I uh, just noted those dates, and I'll put that on my calendar. Maybe I can even make it, and I hope some of our listeners can, too. And, uh, and also put a plug in for the California Irrigation Institute Conference coming up in February, February 4th and 5th, where um, uh, listeners, if you liked what you heard from Glenda today, you can hear more from her uh, at, at the Sacramento Conference. Well, Glenda, yep. thank you so much for joining and, us. And two last things. If people 
people yeah. do want to know more about some of the working landscapes or elevate rural California, you can go to the California to, to the caeconomy.org website. And if you want to know more about some of the other work I mentioned with Cooperative Extension, our research, the the recharge efforts, and more, uh, go to our www.ucanr.edu website, and you'll find all of our programs and projects uh, available there for you to look at. Yeah, it's a great website. I've been on it, and uh, our listening audience should easily be able to find uh, topics that we've been discussing this evening. It's well organized, so uh, kudos to you and your staff for uh, making it so. Thank you so much, Glenda, for taking another evening of your time with us at the Water Zone. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your leadership and all the good work that you and your staff are doing. Uh, Again, they did a great job at the BARD conference over the last week. Um, We look forward to hopefully having you come visit us again in the near future. My pleasure. I'm a big fan of your program. Thank you so much. Well, Rob, I guess we can hand it back over to you. We will. We're back in now, and uh, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Let's talk drought stress. No one likes burnt plants or grass, especially your customers. So when it's hotter than a tin roof in Tallahassee, what are you gonna do? Water the problem away? Not only does that abuse a vital resource, it's illegal in many cities. Here's a quick and easy solve that won't get you in trouble with Mother Nature or Johnny Law. Applied as a year-round program, Moisture Manager from Lesco supplements regular irrigation by attracting moisture to treated areas, thus making the moisture available to plant roots. This maintains wettability between waterings and rainfall, allowing soil to accept water as it becomes available, and making the water more accessible to the plant roots. Boom! More green, less watering, and a great new reason to see your customers on a recurring basis. With Lesco Moisture Manager and Site One, high heat is no sweat. We're coming back here to the water zone. Just one quick little message. I want everybody to know uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties we had here at the station. Hopefully our engineer got it back working. Uh, We we certainly hope so. Um, Now now I'm trying to fix all these things that are still going wrong here, but we're we're, we're moving on. Anyway, uh, one one thing important to do, one of our sponsors is Weldon. So go green with their new ECO. Actually, it's pronounced ECO. And it's available in regular body 900 ECO and medium bonded bonded 905 ECO. It's 30% lower solvent emission rate and significantly reduced odorous fumes for an improved workplace environment. Because the last thing you want to do is keep smelling that stuff as you're putting that glue on. You shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing that stuff. You get a headache. Oh, you, yeah, you get worse than that. Uh, same great performance as top-performing medium-body fast-set PVC cements. Patents pending. It meets all the ASTM D2564 and the NSF slash ANSI 14 and 61 for potable water and DMV, uh, sorry, DWV applications. And again, we apologize for all the uh, 
errors this afternoon. It's just been crazy when all the electronics stopped working, and we had to do that last uh, interview live by cell phones. Multiple cell phones. <laughs> Multiple cell phones. Stacked on each other. Yeah, with a microphone on top of it. It was uh, kind of a, a, a weird thing. So, uh, Chris, are you there? Chris? Well, maybe you can have Chris call into the number if you can get her on the phone and just have her call in the other number. It was the only way we can do this show right now today until they uh, bring in some repair technicians tomorrow and fix the phone and studio lines. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing today, but the uh, show must go on. Right, Chris? Yes, it is. You know, we're working uh, hard to get through the technical issues, but uh, we'll, we'll make it. We're going to go to the old reliable, at least today, old reliable uh, cell phone yep. to, <laughs> to, do the, uh, to do the rest of the call. So what would we do if we didn't have cell phones? We'd be in deep pucky. Well, we would. We'd be telling jokes to each other for, uh, uh, for a little while like or, the, or like limericks. The one, like, like the one you just passed Like me? the one I gave you. <laughs> no, we can't do yes. those kind of jokes yeah. on the air. But, uh, yep. yeah, I mean, this doesn't happen hardly ever. And uh, ah, we get a phone yep. call here. So, let me so here we go. Let me get her on the speakerphone. And hopefully we're there. Are you with us, Chris? Yes. Ah, Chris Austin is uh, on the line, everybody, thankfully. Thank goodness. Welcome today, Chris. Uh, you've, you've been hearing uh, a lot of uh, digital problems we've had, but glad to hear your voice. Yeah, it's a little hard to hear you guys, but sorry, sorry about that. It's uh, it's been a difficult afternoon <laughs> when when things, everything goes wrong, and the uh, we've got a great engineer who's working his uh, tail off, uh, but the other technicians for the studio are not here, and um, I can't run back and help them because I'm doing the show. Otherwise, I'd be in there sure. fixing the electronics because I can do that. But and I'm a CC certified. I know. And my wife tells me, and my wife tells me I'm certified anyway. But <laughs> well, well, and, and you and I know what's that, what what that's like. Right. <laughs> it's like, and I, I had a I had a phrase for that. You know, when I would be working on a session and everything that was technically wrong would would, would go wrong, and and I would just tell myself this session will come to an end. Yes. Sometime. <laughs> yes. The worst. The I don't know where. But it will come to an end. No, the, the, the worst thing, maybe you had this, just so people know, uh, Chris used to be, a, a, and she still is a fantastic studio engineer, recording studio engineer, and I used to be in that business. But what's interesting, uh, Chris, just a little quickie story, when I was doing stuff and you set up these called flying faders, and for the, our listeners who don't know what that is, you can record this band with 20-something or 36 channels of audio, and you have to push up the little uh, buttons to make sure that the volume are correct and everything's equal and so forth so you do that and then you set this computer that, that handles that because in some parts of the song the guitar player wants to play a lead so you have to give them a little bit more volume or the singer wants to do a little bit different so you're, you're moving all these little what we call faders up and down so so I had programmed this thing and, and it, it was, I think it was like 30 36 channels of audio so it's quite complicated to set it all up and then we went to do one more add to it well it didn't take the programming didn't take, and everything had to be. It, it was it was terrible. It was a terrible session. Like you said, it had to end, and you know the, the machine didn't. The, the fader stopped working. The computer was bad, and uh, I don't like those things anymore. So, 
I know, and you know what? Flying faders was like so cool, but now I, I was like at a conference and I was in the back talking to the audio guys because, you know, they're my peeps, right? right. And, and he was showing me, they hit a button now and they all, and, and they all move. It's like, it, it's like no big deal to them, but boy, back, back in the day, weren't we... Oh. We drooled for flying faders. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. So let's let's go as a proper introduction. We have Chris Maven, who is the uh, the matron and owner of uh, Maven's Notebook, which I hope everybody uh, uh, gets a copy every single day and subscribes to. And you can by going to mavensnotebook.com. And I'm going to turn it over to Chris here for a second. And uh, I'm per- I'm perplexed or befuddled or. It's been a hard. It's been a hard day with this show trying to trying to get all the things through. <laughs> and Chris and I are laughing because we literally stacked two cell phones on top of each other so we can get the last two people talking. It was just funky. It was. It's like using uh, real engineering. Yeah, like pa- paper. I remember it well. Paper cups and alligator those. clips. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes, we had no duct tape, right? So we're there. We're there, sort of cantilevering the microphone off of the bo- off the mic boom to try and get it to stay. In the right place, but pick up bo- both speakers on the on the cell phones. It and, was a challenge, and, and yours is being done that way as well. <laughs> so. What's happening in the uh, in the water world this week, Chris? Up in uh, San Joaquin Valley, Sacramento area, what's the big news? Well, oh boy, it, uh, a lot of things moving on the tunnels in the last day or so. Uh, they released the environmental, the, the last round of the environmental report for public comment, which I think it's you have till oh, September, in September to comment September, on that, which right. is only on the changes. They've refined the project some in the engineering world. They call that optimization. Uh, and and which is basically reducing impacts, and so it's but it's not a major change to the project. And they filed for what's called a consistency determination uh, from the Delta Stewardship Council, who has a uh, who manages the long range plans for the Delta. Um, and at the same time. Uh, it's kind of heating up in Washington, actually, quite a bit. You know, there's some uh, uh, riders attached to this appropriations bill that just passed the House. And one of those would um, would remove the California Water Fix Project or the Delta Tunnels. Uh, there would be no judicial review, meaning no lawsuits would be entertained. They're just going to do it. And then uh, Congressman Valadeo added on something to to the similar to extend it to all California water projects. And then another congressman, I believe it was Denham, uh, tossed in an amendment to uh, invalidate the state water boards. Uh, they're they're trying to update the the plan for the Delta to get more flows, fresh flows into the Delta for uh, native species and such. And so Denim has inserted this this, uh, rider in the appropriations to uh, defund the federal portion, I believe, of what what, uh, funds the water board's operation. They get funds from the feds to enact the Clean Water Act. So it was sort of 
is he's trying to pull the rug out from under the state water board. And this bill did pass the House today, but it's expected to uh, be quite a fight in the Senate uh, with both Senators Feinstein and Harris uh, are opposed to these amendments. And uh, Secretary Laird came out on behalf of the Brown administration and said they are against these riders as well. So the the uh, fight heats up for the Senate. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a lot of that going on for the next two years <laughs> or four years oh, more. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually sit, you know sitting on the edge of her seat because these are riders uh, that if they if they go through could have quite an impact on a lot of things, although it will also mean a lot of lawsuits because I do think there's a there's a issue with the federal government ir- interfering in states' rights and the states' rights to control water and the quality of water in our rivers. That is a state's right, not a federal right. So I would imagine that there will be lawyers queuing up uh, to take that one on. Always be lawyers. So do you think there's going to be an announcement of uh, Trump collusion about this as well? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's crazy. No, it's the state. Crazy. The, I, I believe it's the state's rights to to decide what they need yeah. to do. I don't know why there would be. Oh, oh wait. I mean, wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I truly, I, I, Chris, Chris, and I agree. It's it's a state issue, and it should stay that way. Yeah, absolutely. What else is uh, big? We've only got a couple of minutes left because of the kerfuffle we had earlier, Chris. So, uh, uh, anything else you want to put on the uh, agenda? Um, well, let's see. They, uh, the Supreme Court uh, took the proposition to split California off into three. Took that off the ballot. Uh, there's just uh, too many fed, too many questions uh, as to whether the voters can really choose to do that. And if they were to split into three states, that would have to be uh, approved by Congress and the Senate. And and I don't think the federal government and all those other people would like to see California's clout multiplied by uh, three in the Senate. Uh, Well, that was really original. Northern California, California, and Southern California. I mean, they couldn't come up with better names than that. No, I, I think at this stage of the game, we're all kind of stuck with each other. Yes, you know? it should be. It should it, be that way. If they split, if they split anything, whether in half or in thirds, we would lose so much money, and it would be it would be terrible. Oh, and the lawyers would make tons of money. But yeah, it, we'd be we'd be working the kinks out for years, decades, centuries. Yep. Well, Chris, I'm sorry to cut you, but uh, we're up against the NBC News Hour. And, again, we apologize to you, uh, Ms. Glenda Humiston and Inge and everybody, all of our listeners. We, we didn't expect it to happen, that uh, all the equipment had a, a big fooey. And uh, we'll try to make it up to everybody. We'll, uh, hey, uh, if you want to write to our website, it's waterzone at toro.com. And uh, give us your name and a contact number, and uh, we'll make it up to you somehow. We'll try to see if we can give you something. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Thanks a lot. And remember, everybody, have a good week. And the most important thing you got to do is think think blue. blue. Good night, everybody. Good night. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Radio. I'm Brian Shook. The nation's top intelligence official says Russian meddling in the 2016